bitch is bad and bullshit. podcast i'm erica and i'm amy and aaron's away at a wedding this weekend so she won't be joining us but we have her in our thoughts and we persevere nonetheless. we, we persevere <laughs> we're gonna try not to fuck up <laughs> but if we do can you not tell on him yeah please don't tell aaron <laughs> so how's your week been uh pretty chaotic just worked a lot um i was in victoria last weekend which was really cool, but also just busy and also work-related, so I'm pretty burnt out. And I also ate some bourbon gelato before I got here. So wait, more, wait a minute, tipsy. bourbon gelato where? Yeah, Stella Luna, right up the oh, street. Oh, right up the street. Yeah. Is it, yeah. Is it worth it? I was it? like, oh, okay, I'll wait for you 30 minutes. I got to be Sassy Gelato. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely one of the pricier gelatos in town, but the flavors are pretty, pretty interesting. And hey, they compete worldwide so i mean there's got to be something there i also ate a pistachio honey lavender gelato shut the front door pretty dope oh my god no okay okay i haven't even been to stella luna yet that is your plan for the rest of the evening i i i feel like yeah i I ate it outside and it melted as soon as i sat down that's like the one issue (laughs) it's pretty damn hot over here i don't know what's going on and it's muggy yeah, I don't know how this happened. I didn't even bother to do my hair because I was like, you know what? Just I, just let the did, natural full you just did come your through. Hair. What the fuck are you talking about? No, I didn't. I no, woke up. No I way. swear to God, oh, I woke yeah, up I like this. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> oh, bullshit. I didn't believe it when Beyonce said it. I don't fucking believe it. Okay? Come on. I feel like. No, but that is actually the nice thing about a shortcut. Yeah. Is that you, it looks more coiffed, like, yeah. just on its own. Yeah. Yeah. You're, Thank you're goodness. Like 100. Thank, oh, thank you. Yeah. How was your week? Um, cri- okay, so this was supposed to be <laughs> oh, my 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 light week for the month. Oh no! It didn't end up being light. Okay. And so I started. So I was on CBC Morning on Monday, and then I think Aaron was on The Current on Tuesday. Oh yeah. And then yesterday I was on CTV News. And then today, I was at the um, um, the event for Elizabeth. I'm going to just screw up this name. So, anyway, the woman who was killed at work, the, the librarian. And the Christian reading. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, because Will Know put on an event, and, like, I don't know. Shout out to Holly, because I don't know how she did it so quickly. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all your extra labor. Um, I'm going to say thank you because I know that people don't really think about all of the labor that goes in. Oh, yeah. And I just want to say thank you. Shout out to her. Um, like, Yasser Nakbi was there. And uh, Lyra. Yeah. Lyra, Lyra Evans. And- and uh, Joel, what's his name? Harden. Harden. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, and Sherry Wong, Sherry Wong, yeah, uh, from the Green Party, yeah. and she spoke, and she was so emotional. It was, it just brought home mm-hmm. how much this just affects your entire being. 
Yeah. And, and the PTSD yeah. that's associated with for, it. Yeah. So thank so you, thing, Sherry, the, for the sharing. The thing that struck me at the now what debate was um, just like how earnestly Sherry uh, spoke about her experiences as a survivor. Yeah. And just so candid. Yeah. Um, and unapologetic and like really bearing her soul in it. And that takes a lot, especially for someone who's running um, as a candidate in an election to, to speak in those terms. And so I think she's super badass. And I think that that kind of honesty and authenticity just goes like vis-a-vis all your reg I'm using air quotes, regular politicians. It is just such a stark difference mm-hmm. because I feel as though regular politicians get good at being politicians mm-hmm. and less good at being people. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt that, today and with with sherry and with others because she's not the only one who has personal experiences that she brings to the table but that those people lyra Mm -hmm. especially lyra too Mm -hmm. um really bring the humanity into politics because i think that's what we're missing and like vulnerabilities of virtue yeah as candidates as opposed to something to you know, like a weakness or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. You know what? Like, that was, that's hard yeah, to totally. face your truth yeah. and to speak on it. And you're not just speaking on it once. It's everywhere you go. I'm mm-hmm. a survivor or I was homeless yeah. or yeah. this is who I am. This is, it's, it's, or this is informed who I am and this is where totally. I've come from. Yeah. Because if you look at most of the political people, they're all elites. There was an article today being like, who would be the NDP's finance minister? All the people they have running are like, you know, from not-for-profits and like activists. Who could possibly be their finance Right, like, like a not-for-profit doesn't know how to run a fucking budget. <laughs> first of all, also like, maybe it shouldn't be the like lawyers and businessmen who've like literally been stealing from us under the like liberal government for the last decade. As if though, just because you can so-called balance the budget which you can't anyway like you know the credentials don't, even, don't mean what they know like, no they you're mean. telling me that doug ford is more merited to be <laughs> premier than lyra or i know lyra's not running for premier but yeah but any but one of any the one of qualified the, exactly are running. no for sure and yeah and i uh, the the, doug the man can't do math so, I mean, let's just get into it, because I think we want to start off today talking yeah, about the yeah. Ontario election. <laughs> I know. No, 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 it's cool. I feel I mean, like so, we do. We had such big plans of structure. No, no, this is it, though. I mean, this is this is the discussion we do want to have. Like, mm-hmm. this week in feminism, first item, Ontario election. It's next week. Yeah. There's, you know, it's we're recording on Friday night. There's like this is the last big campaign weekend. Yeah. There's a lot can happen. Yeah. The NDP and the PCs are fucking neck and neck. It is like a, this is distressing to it's, me. It's nuts. But I mean, it's it, there's just so much like data wise and polling like polling wise that like makes me uneasy. And it you know put whatever stock you want into those numbers, but it is telling. Mm-hmm. And they're they're like. You know, they're the time to get people out. I mean, it's all about ground game at this point. It's like, how, who's going to vote? You got to get people to advance polls. If you haven't voted already, you still can. You can do it like sooner rather than later at advanced polling stations or returning office. Um, because 
the lines and like the trouble on E Day and like God knows what E Day is gonna look like. Like days that it rains, people vote less. The day the weather's too nice, people vote less. Like you know, it's just like it's bananas how much the things depend on like yeah. just like the mechanics of election day. This is true. Um, and like getting a good like get out the vote team who are like literally driving people. This is like you know if you're still looking to volunteer, you haven't volunteered yet. This it's is the not, time. This is the time. It yeah. is not too late. Every like anything you can do over this weekend or next week is fucking crucial. Knocking on doors, making the last minute calls, but also if you can drive people to the polls, that's one thing oh, that that's they a do. Great yeah. idea. Yeah, they, that is like, a great so, point. Like, that's definitely something campaigns will offer. Yeah. To voters, make yeah. it that much easier to get them there. I know the NDP is like you know always done that. I assume other campaigns do that. You know, the, like, sign wars, like, if you haven't put up your sign, you haven't told everyone at work who you're voting for, you're allowed to tell people, or you don't have a culture of fear in your workplace, and do it, like, post about it, but, like, literally get people to the polls, that's number one, like, yeah. that's, yeah. you know, and a lot will turn on that, but, I mean, there are ridings in play that have never been in play before. Even Wynne's own seat is now, like, within a margin where she could potentially lose her own seat. Like, that's fucking crazy. Can I just say this about Wynne? Okay. Let me tell you. Her her, her sorry, not sorry. Oh, I don't. I hated it. it. It's like. It's it's not defiant. It's also so 2016. I know. (laughs) I was like, I was like, somebody who's 25 told her this was a good idea and it's not. Oh, maybe they pitched it to her in the last election and she just didn't use it and it was, like, sitting on the shelf. Like, hashtag sorry, not sorry. It's like, I mean, I've said it many times to the point of exhaustion, which is why we don't say it anymore. Exactly. Um, but, no, I mean, it's really flippant. It's insulting to That's voters. exactly it. Yeah. Yep. It's, it, it's, like, I it, get it. It's So she's almost trying to do the Trudeau, like, just watch me kind yeah, of, like. but... Everyone, like, history did not look favorably on that comment. No. (laughs) And number one, okay, for anybody, please don't use an expired hashtag. It is the branding expert talking to you. (laughs) Take notes. This is fucking free advice, all right? Free advice. Never, ever, ever use an expired hashtag. How do you know it's expired? Well, when you're on Twitter... And you start and you start hashtagging something, it'll tell you how many tweets an hour this has had. Okay? Sorry not sorry was like lemonade time, you know, and Beyonce. And even that was kinda late. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I just had the Bieber song stuck in my head. I mean, oh, that I, one yeah, too. That's what it makes me think that of. one too. Wasn't that 2015, 16? Yeah. 16, yeah. I think. Yeah. Second of all, it sounds, you're right, very flippant. And it's like she doesn't care. It removes, it adds more distance between her and the voter Mm -hmm. because it feels like you're going to your mom and asking them for something and they're (laughs) like, sorry, not sorry. You can't have that. Okay? It's after eight, you can't have ice cream. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I just, I thought it was just awful and I just thought, who the? Who the fuck thought that was a good idea? Like, like I get it. It's tough to be like, this is my position. Uh, we, we made an informed position. They're going to make us out to look silly. We're going to stand by it. But when you have voters who have never so been, had a sense of like, you know, disenfranchisement from this government. Yeah. Who've never felt more like alienated, poorer, like whatever. 
That's yeah. not the tone to set. That's not maybe the for, tone. Maybe in another election yeah. where you're like coming in hot and you're like, yeah. The economy is doing well. People are, you, you know, know. You know, we've national, yeah. like we, whatever. We've like started this program. We spent a lot of money. And yeah. we, we've given this people, sorry, not sorry. And, and, and it has this happy, results, right? it has results. Yeah. It's not like we just tabled this budget and we have no measurable outcomes from it, but everyone has never felt more broke in Ontario. Yeah, exactly. Not really the time for an incumbent to say that. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's actually something that maybe like Andrea Horvath yes. could say in yes. rebutting at like, or yes. like calling Kathleen Wynne out. Call yes. her out and be like, sorry, not sorry, but I'm just telling the truth here. Yes. That's how you would use it. Yes. But for an incumbent premier to say that, that's some bullshit. You should be Especially, kissing people's ass yeah. and saying, I know your concern. Yeah. I know that like things haven't been going so hot mm-hmm. and I like am listening. Yeah. And I'm responsive. So remember, And I'm going to change the things that you don't like. Not like, sorry, not sorry, going to stay the course. But remember, we were ta- just talking about humanity. Yeah. And that that tag removes the humanity. It's like, it's honestly, I felt like, oh, when she first yeah, said it, I, I thought, oh my gosh. And I thought, you really just don't give a shit. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it, they don't have much to lose at this point. And I mean, sorry, not sorry. Wait till she makes a fucking you know coalition government with the conservatives. Oh my! Oh, she better not say sorry, not sorry after the conservative. I just, you know what, the 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 conservative where they are right now in the polls just lets me know that you could put a monkey up there. Oh, they did. And um, and no, they yeah. people will still Mr. vote Carson conservative. For sure. Um, yeah, what really irks me is how quick to, people are to say that Andrea Horvath is quote-unquote untested, even though the woman has been in fucking elected office since the 90s, yeah. okay? City council, like, and then provincial politics. Like, she has a record... She has a record in at Queen's Park, which certainly Rob Ford doesn't have, um, among many other great credentials. Yep. Um, and, like, at least a base to draw on. And, I, I mean, I know we've harped on her in the past for not being an effective communicator. I think she's proven us all wrong in the past. I, I agree. She's really stepped up. In I the agree. Of things. She's I come agree. She's very likable. And, mm-hmm. you know, she, like, there, there's substance there. The, their, Plus their platform pre- is, premier-like. Yeah, for sure. She, to me, she she looks. I look at her and I'm like, oh yeah, I could totally see her being she, premier. She like you know, I think she has a solid platform. She's pretty unapologetic about it in the way that you need to be. Yes, running on something that's like you know that like she owns bold, it. Bold ideas and she she's owns behind it. it, and she she's behind her candidates, and you know she she has like great like a lead, her leadership qualities are really coming through in the way they did it in the last election mm-hmm. that I think frustrated a lot of New Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, but to say she's untested, it's such bullshit. And then you have fucking Doug Ford running around, literally like a one-term city councilor who is completely disgraced, and people are so quick to say about that about her. And say nothing of his candidate. White men get unlimited chances. Well, that yeah, that's part of it, for sure. And but so do the PCs. That's it, yeah. The PCs get There's... unlimited chances to fuck up and yeah. then tell you, oh, we'll save the economy. 
with what? an uncosted budget that we yeah. have, to have like Canada 2020 cost out for us and the Liberals. Today. And our $6 billion in inefficiencies or yeah. in savings that we don't, we, we really don't know where they are or what, or what they are, but, yeah. but we'll make sure that nobody loses their job. And I thought, um, may, like there's so many like angles to that. Yeah. I can't even, yeah. I, I just, you know what? I just. Doug Ford just irks. Doug Ford is exactly what's wrong with this province. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, no, totally. And and his whole campus, like, there are so many social conservatives running in this election. Everyone should be absolutely terrified. There are tons of pro, uh, sorry, anti-choice pro-life candidates who have some wild-ass views. Um, about this, not just the sex ed curriculum, but about, you know, trying to find ways to restrict and turn back, um, you know, Morgan Taller and other, like, crucial decisions in this country. Um, you also have, you know, candidates who are out there saying that people should be able to debate whether or not the Holocaust was real. That's, like, one of their candidates out there saying shit like that. And I'm not saying Doug Ford should toss him out as a candidate I mean he should possibly like I would but whatever maybe that's not their that's not your bag definitely like that should scare everybody that those are the people who would be coming in with this guy well and that's the problem is that um a lot of people behave as though that's just um a perfunctory issue like it's just it's it's just as a matter of routine we talk about it. You know what? But yeah. but it doesn't really mean anything. What we need is jobs, 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 jobs. And that's what I argued on CBC. I'm like, you know what? Social unrest is bad for business too. Mm-hmm. And well, this... but but people need to keep in mind. Like I think in Ottawa there's a bit of a bubble. I know I am definitely part of it. Like I think about. Um, federal issues and federal politics before I think of provincial politics and that's sort of just how we're we're geared well like provincial politics you have let's say you have a slate there's like you know 13 candidates that have like an eight plus rating from like the coalition for life okay let's say those people come in with the pcs that is a significant pro-life anti-choice caucus that is now maybe part of the governing party that gets to decide fucking health care like and literally education. the day-to-day operations of our healthcare and, and education system. And we see what's happening in the states and all with, you have to with do healthcare is and like education. Put in regulations yeah. that make it next to you don't need to ban abortion. You need to just make it next to impossible to get it yeah. or to make it expensive to get. Yeah. Not make it public access. Yeah. Like, you, like the, you, they could put you can in add all a fine. Sorts of you shit. could yeah, you totally. could add you could add layers of financial commitments that they have to that they have to make sure that they yeah, have to do. Yeah, or like parental consent. Parental like... consent is another one. Um, maybe you can't have an abortion clinic, two abortion clinics within a certain rate, like yeah. d- like distance. Yeah. That's a thing too. Yeah, the one they love in the States is like making, like changing the bylaws for like this, what the parameters of what an abortion clinic can look like. Yes. So it physically looks like a hot, they're like, it has to look like a hospital. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's just a hospital. Yeah. And like, yeah, we can't just perform it in doctors. I mean, we can't perform it in a clinic. And then they'll sell it as health. Yeah. No. So, I mean, this is like fucking so important. 
I, I, it's terrifying. Like, the more you think about it, the more terrifying it is. <sighs> okay, I'm good. All right. Awesome. Let's move on. Roseanne! Oh, man. Roseanne. Oh. So, as most of you probably are well aware already, Roseanne's uh, revival show was canceled this week by ABC. A 12-word tweet directed at former President Barack Obama's aide, Valerie Jarrett, led to ABC swiftly canceling the Roseanne revival. A program purportedly brought back to tackle racism and bigotry was done by, uh, undone by its own lead. Roseanne, all along, was more of a mouthpiece for Trump than a TV star committed to tackling societal ills that uh, he ushered in. From uh, a pretty interesting article in Al Jazeera, um, there's a good breakdown of what her tweet and her show actually did in terms of not just racism towards uh, black people and people of colors, but also the Islamophobia of her show. Here's what she tweeted. She tweeted, Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby equals VG. The tweet was riddled with Islamophobia and anti-black racism. It used the Muslim Brotherhood as a racial descriptor and Planet of the Apes reference as a long-standing and vile dehumanizing slur directed at black people. In short, Roseanne used hateful terms to claim that Jarrett looked like the progeny of Muslim and black parents and the uh, uh, this opinion piece uh, that that quote comes from goes into uh, interesting details about some of the most recent episodes of Roseanne and uh, I'm kind of surprised uh, at the content of the episodes constantly. I haven't rewatched the revival, get into it, but I haven't rewatched the revival, but I feel like I've read enough about it and still it shocks me every time I hear a premise for one of the episodes. I watched episode one. Oh, you did? I got, oh, go on. I got bored. That's fair. I mean... It, it was, was so fucking boring. Yeah. Like, I was just like... the And it was boring to me because it, it was just watered down. Um, it, was, it was so obvious what they were doing mm. that they were... It, it seemed so, like, hamstrung. Yeah, You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Or, sorry, not hamstrung. Heavy-handed. Heavy... Ham-fisted. Ham-fisted. It seemed so ham-fisted because Darlene was the Hillary... Yeah. Darlene... I know you the mean, sister, Laurie Metcalf's character. The sister. What's her yeah. name? Um. Anyway, see, it just goes to show how much I give a shit. <laughs> I can't remember all the names you forgot, uh, but I'm trying, guys. Yeah, me. yeah. So, um, the sister was the Hillary supporter, and they hadn't talked, and they talked about how expensive their medication was. And then I'm like, well, had your state taken the Obamacare <sighs> yeah. expansion? You wouldn't have that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, but I digress. Okay, it they had, it's like they had caricatures that they had to fill. Yeah, yeah. And so they had the black kid. They had DJ who came back from the army. They had um, Darlene who was I don't know I think a single mom or something like that with three kids or something like that, two three kids. They had the gender non-conforming kid and grand grandkid, who yeah. was Darlene's kid. And there was not much depth. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is no blackish. Yeah. It wasn't clever. Yeah. It was it wasn't even funny. Yeah. It was just a middle America fuck you. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. 
No, I mean, apparently in a recent episode, they have a Muslim family that moves in next door, and Roseanne's reaction is to think that they are gonna bomb the neighborhood, and like, who, like, the fuck are these people, and she takes it upon herself to spy on them, and then over the course of the episode, she realizes that they're just normal people. Which, okay, I guess that's, like, not the worst ending to the episode, but, like, as um, this op-ed in Al Jazeera points out, it's like, why even is the premise of the episode centered on the terror? Like, but for the terrorism, a Muslim family would not have been notable. And so, like, you know, everything is through this white lens. Yeah. yeah. Which is so fucked. And the other thing that, like, you know, like, the one of the jokes that got a lot of criticism in one of the earlier episodes was, you know, her... She and Danny get fall asleep on the couch, and she's and he's like, "Oh, what did we miss on TV?" And she was like, "Oh, nothing. Just a, a TV show about a black family, and a TV show about an Asian family, and it turns out they're just like us." And it's like referencing Blackish and Fresh Off the Boat, and it's like also ABC. Why would you do your other shows like that? That like that's so insulting. Your fucking award-winning, like critically acclaimed programming gets shat on by fucking Roseanne. Um, Anyway, which is just ignorant. But, yeah, it didn't seem to have any depth. But I don't know why ABC was, like, remotely surprised. I can't believe this was, like... I mean, it's great that the reaction was what it was, but, like, they knew better. This is a woman who is, like, you know, talking about, like, you know, child sex trafficking rings that, like, Hillary was involved. Like, like off-the-wall bananas conspiracy theories. I can't take ABC like seriously no they wanted to bank on like they wanted to like rake in money on one the trump election and like you know the hoopla around that Mm -hmm. they thought that there was a market that was untapped i.e white middle so-called middle america the trump voters the trump voters they were like oh wait there's an untapped market they're clearly voting they clearly exist we've been ignoring them how can we make money off of them and nostalgia, which is super in right now. Nostalgia is really big, okay? So, like, they're just like... It's because the world's fucked up. It's, it's like, yeah. They're like, oh, this is perfect. Well, like, make so much bank off Roseanne. And it's like, did you not think this through? Like, there is no short... I'm sure there are, like, people who can talk from a Midwest perspective... I agree that programming on TV is kind of shitty. It is super coastal. If I was it living, is. but in it's a, always been this, no for sure. But yeah. if I was living in a so-called flyover state, I'd be pissed as fuck that all the shows were set on either. I used to love it when shows were set in Detroit, which like I I like to think I I'm Windsor. And you're Houston. Windsor, so you're you can so you can take us, that. You can like have that. Really yeah. <laughs> We're like, and my dad worked in Michigan. My cousins lived in Detroit. We spent all of our time there. I don't Yo, claim that no it's my hate. hometown, but no, I felt I, I am not saying I felt an affinity to it. So yeah. like whenever there were like and, and you shows set in Detroit, I think like Sister Sister was set in Detroit. Home Improvement was, was set, really? in, set in Detroit. There's a couple, and it's just always kind of neat. But like that's about it. Like, and Detroit's not even like, like I know it's, middle. It's like, it's like almost. It's like on the cusp of being like the Midwest, but it's not really. Um, but so I get like, I get it. There's a neglect there. There's stories that are not being told. I'm sure. Of course there are. Why the fuck is billionaire Roseanne the vehicle for them? They wanted the Trump voters and they wanted a recognizable figure. She, mm-hmm. she hit all the boxes, right? Yeah. Yeah. The no, Trump voters, sure. middle America, 
nostalgia, yeah. the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, she has a huge following. Yeah. So, and the rest of the cast is great. John Goodman is great. Yeah. Laurie Metcalf is great. Yeah. Like these are wonderful actors. Yeah. But they all know who she is. I don't I well, can't this, imagine that Lori Metcalf is friends with Roseanne IRL. This is this is my point. Why would you agree to work with her? Here's my here's my issue. I am not clapping for anybody. No, 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 I agree. Who who I saw a tweet by somebody who worked I don't it wasn't on the crew, she might have been in the writers room and she's Lenny like coming. You th- yeah. Yeah. And she's like, "I I have decided that I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm like, bitch, you signed up in the first place. Yeah, we you, all knew you what knew, she was. You knew. We all knew. You cannot claim ignorance. So what does she want? Does she want a pat on the back, a cookie, a parade? Yeah. For, for oh, she did the right thing when shit hit the fan? Give me a well, break. You know this what? is why I'm looking at Wanda's side gonna, side eye. I was just going to say... I had no idea. I didn't know either. It shocked the heck out of me. I was just like, she dropped a few points. She was the head writer. And she came up with this dribble? The head writer. I can't even believe it. I always thought Wanda Sykes comedy was a little corny, but it was always edgy. Yeah. And it was smart, and it wasn't like, it's not one dimensional. It's a little corny. Yeah. And like, you know, she goes, sometimes she'll go for a cheap laugh, but not always. Yeah. And it just shocked me that she would sign up like to be do anything with Roseanne yeah unless she thought that was edgy in which case then I totally question everything she's ever done now I question her yeah for sure I think that's I fair I don't know how everybody come back from that. who worked there and it's not enough to be like I quit it's not enough but she did too she resigned which was one of the turning points yes but like come on what, what, what the Why'd you sign on? That's what I want to know. I, okay, so this is where I say integrity matters. Yeah. And you know what? You wouldn't be in this position. And I understand, listen, I understand, you know, people at the low end, mm-hmm. I will, I, I'm willing to give them a pass and I'll tell you why. Um, because I'm feeling generous. <laughs> um, but you know, I, if you need to have a job to put your, you know, food on the table, that kind of thing. I can see you bending sure. some shit, sure. you know. I'm I not going to say that. It's that you... It's a writing gig. And it you're, is. You're like a young writer. You're fucking on the Roseanne revival. Much less, okay, let's say you're a stage... Yeah, whatever. A yeah, stage yeah, creator, yeah. stage totally. director, yeah. background, yeah. you're a PA. Okay, yeah. I yeah. get it, yeah, okay? Totally. But my, but the rest of them, uh, no, Mm-mm. no, I'm not here for this. Mm-mm. And you know what? It don't don't try to pick up the integrity you dropped when you signed up. Yeah, there, I, yeah, it's I'm embarrassed for everybody involved, but also like I have no respect for them. Exactly, <laughs> they should be sense. fucking embarrassed. Uh, They're embarrassing. Yeah. It's, it's awful. And like, I hope this is a lesson to ABC to support original fucking programming and shows. That's what made Blackish so great. Fresh Off the Boat is like, I mean, Fresh Off the Boat is kind of interesting because it was based on a memoir and then the like, you know, person who is based on Eddie, Eddie, um, is it Wong? Yeah, Wong. 
sort of walked like walked away from how it was reinterpreted. Yes, and wasn't a huge fan of how his story was told. So like that's right. a fair, fair criticism of it as like a memoir based show. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, like super original by standard of what is on television and how the story is told and everything else. This idea of giving money to people who have already had full careers based on redeveloping in the new era old shows the premise of which no longer really holds and trying to wedge in these like side characters and whatever else and like try to make them relevant it's mm-hmm. just it's just bullshit because at the end of the day it's still a white family still the central like you know the core holding the show together and everything else is a lens through which what Roseanne is looking I don't care what lens Roseanne is looking in. I care, like, if she has a, like, adopted black grandson or whatever, I think that, I don't know the premise. I didn't really watch Roseanne in the new revival. But, you know, or any of these new grandchildren characters. Oh, the granddaughter. To, yeah. The, they're the, trying to bring in some idea. The like, prop. Yeah. Well, that's it. I'd rather to see a show through the eyes of that character rather than they be like some, because it's more compelling yeah it's more compelling and, and, and you can make it more complex on exactly TV. exactly all right let's move oh, on so just got so worked up i yo <laughs> that's what that's what we're here for kim kardashian met donald trump to talk prison reform the new york post front page mentioned her butt three times so Kim Kardashian used her fame and influence to talk to, pre- to President Trump about a worthy subject, prison reform. Car- the Kardashian met with POTUS after months of conversation with Garrett Kushner as per Vanity Fair. Kardashian asked Trump to pardon Alice Marie Johnson, a 63-year-old great-grandmother serving life in prison for a first-time drug offense. Predictably, Coverage of the meeting was blatantly sexist. The meeting landed on the front page of the New York Post with the captions, Trump meets Rump, the other big-ass summit. Ouch. Um, I'm trying to think of, okay. So, oh God. The New York Post is known for titillating and um borderline offensive and just savage like covers and they've really really picked up the pace in twitter land Hmm. um i thought I'll, i'll come at it with two sides here i thought i thought it was wrong but i'd love if you were like yeah, know what? <laughs> However. She does have a big rump, okay? <laughs> she does, but she made a career from it, right? Oh, I see what you mean. I'm not sure... I'm not sure that you can monetize your own body parts and then be upset when other people talk about you as your body part, you know? I think you can. I don't know. That's not the context in which she was there. If it was no, like no, no, no. celebrities go to the White House to have meet and greet with the president, then I might be like, that's sort of relevant. But she can't have it both ways is oh, my point. Oh, she totally can. No, she can't. There are lots of no, she can't. famous people who have 
like weird backgrounds and then suddenly they're like it's not weird no 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 it's not weird backgrounds it is a continual commodification of her body but she's which she listen she is entitled to do that i'm not saying she's not but number one the, I don't even know what that picture was, to be honest. That picture was super weird. Her standing right beside him as he's sitting at the desk. It was very I know. awkward and very spicy. I will say this. What I did not appreciate was the insinuation that somehow they fucked. Oh, yeah, that's gross. That was gross. Yeah. It was, it was, that, to me, went too far. Actually, the entire thing went too far, to me. Like, I get, I get what you're saying insofar as, like... To I'm playing devil's should... advocate, by the way. Oh, I hate that expression. I am. <laughs> I am. I'm like... you uh... do it, I guess, but I really hate that expression. But, but, but think about it. Like, the thing about it is, is that uh, what... No, like, no, like this, I yeah. am thinking. <laughs> the thing, no, no, no. The thing about it is, is that Kim Kardashian herself, I can understand her going. That's fine. Like, she's going to advocate for somebody. She didn't deserve to have her, her butt talked about when she's there to talk about something serious and serious issues. I think it does everyone a disservice like this service when that's what's being recorded after a meeting like that. Yeah. And you have someone who I think like Kim Kardashian is a complicated person. She on the one hand does have this career that is mostly based on what she looks like and modeling and selling products and trading on her looks and I her don't vanity. like that she trades on blackness. And that and that's something that's, that's something the other discuss, thing. But I don't think that's the nuance of the New York Post. No, no, no. It's not. It's not. But no. I think she is someone who people, people maybe not people we are friends with IRL, but people and young women admire. Okay, she's out there, and she has like she has a following. She has a base of supporters, and she is using her like I was her just about to say. To take on like a really important issue, I, I was and just I about do to say. I believe she yeah. does have an empathetic side to herself that's like you know should shouldn't be dismissed just because. I mean, it's kind of like it's an extension of slut shaming to say that this woman who is you know in the public in the mainstream public perception seen as ditzy and dumb and the worst thing about millennials in the the twenty first century or the Kardashians and people like the Kardashians tries to do something pretty... I don't think... How could you be a... Well, the New York Post is not progressive. That's the other thing. They don't give a shit about prison reform. No. They don't give a shit about black people. No. The coverage is... If, if it, she was a black woman, the coverage would have been racist. And we would have been... Like, you know, you would have found some disgusting way to repre- like talk mm-hmm. about her no matter what. They don't respect women. All of their posts are slut But, like, it's like... You can be... Comp- you can be a complex person. You can be a complex woman... And trade on your looks and, like, make a bit... Like, there are lots of famous models who also have great careers as humanitarians. And so we, here's we my cover question. their humanitarian work by saying, hey, great ass. Here, Here's my question. I think it's a bit more nuanced than that. I don't yeah, think that, that Kim Kardashian is like an Angelina Jolie in that way, right? What I'm saying oh. is that she has deliberately crafted an image of herself that stripped away that complexity 
I think she has. I think she has. And and she's put it out there. She makes a lot of money out of it. And that's fine if she wants to do that. What I'm saying is... Also, you forget the derision with which people spoke about Angelina Jolie for a very long time. It probably wasn't until two years ago that people came around to talk about Angelina Jolie in a way that showed a lot of respect. But what I'm saying is that Angelina Jolie was not like Kim Kardashian in the way that she deliberately um, created that that kind of caricature of herself. She used to walk around with a vial of fucking Billy Bob Thornton's blood. People thought she was like the, a fucking witch. Like, I think we forget how bad, how much people hated Angelina Jolie. I guess and so. And I think she played into that. I guess for so. For a long time. And then she became a character, another kind of caricature. Okay, so. I just think we don't so, like, so allow women to, to be more involve? than one thing. Yeah, or to be, like, to be more than one thing. Mm -hmm. And, like, on the one hand, we expect women to be extremely good-looking and, like, the only women who are successful have to look like they can present well on TV. It's like, why are all news reporters fucking Sports Illustrated models? Here's my other problem. I don't think they were all top of their class in fucking journalism But here's my problem, too, is that a couple of days earlier... Kim Kardashian was dragging the founder, the co-founder of Donda's house and making fun of him because he could not, because he didn't have fresh Yeezys on and talked about how she's going to take this foundation away Mm -hmm. from him and give it to her children. children. I mean, I'm sorry. I just can't get behind that. I no, can't get behind no, I, the whole thing. For sure. This is this is the context I'm looking at it in. But I don't think you need to get behind the whole thing to think that she wasn't given a fair shake. And now the story of this 63-year-old great-grandmother is being like, you know, and, and it maybe Kim wasn't the best vehicle for this conversation to happen, and that's true. And why, Kim? Why couldn't she bring on some experts? That's the other thing. Because she's the she's the thing. You think Donald Trump would meet with experts? She could have brought them with her. That's my point. She may have. We don't know. No, she didn't. She did not. You think she went in alone? It was just her and Chris Jenner took that selfie. No, I'm saying that her (laughs) and the her lawyer was there too, apparently. But that's what I'm saying is Uh, that is that I feel like on some level, I feel like it's. I mean, the Kardashians are a maze of dualities, right? Yeah, totally. Or or. Yeah, there's a lot. So, so for me, I'm just like, I don't know if AI, I do buy it, but only to a certain level. But at the same time, here's my thing: the New York Post was wrong just to make it about her ass, and I thought that, I thought that it was unnecessary and I, it was just done to sell paper that like for that's sure. all and it's I done think we need to think about like what are the repercussions when that for for that like again kim has a following of mm-hmm. young women who probably love what she looks like and maybe unfortunately are buying some of the fat phobic products that she shills but on the other hand they have been introduced to this issue of prison reform for the first time and then are told by the fucking New York Post and not just the New York Post. The New York Post had a blatantly sexist thing, but mm. everybody else was like, oh my God, who the fuck is this woman to be in the White House? And I think that's like not a great message to send out to like young girls 
and women and, and followers who are, you know, now alienated from this issue, alienated from politics, alienated from like serious conversations because it's not, they're not serious enough, quote unquote, to be participating in that discussion. And they're going to be like marked for, Fair enough. for, you know, having, I agree, some degree of fat, like, it's also like, like there's fem shaming, slut shaming. That's all part of this. You know, like, I don't think we can like take that lightly. All right. Next. <clears throat> Air travelers from the Middle East, Africa, and Caribbean are more likely to face secondary inspection, according to CBSA data. Shocking. Hmm. People from Africa and the Caribbean, the Middle East and the Caribbean arriving in Canada by air were last year flagged for secondary inspection for customs reasons nearly four times as often as citizens of the European Union countries, CTV's analysis of CBSA data shows. More than 13% of passengers with passports from Middle Eastern countries and 11% from African or Caribbean nations were pulled aside for customs issues. But only 2.7% of EU citizens were flagged for customs review. The National Council of Canadian Muslims says data, the data confirm what it hears repeatedly from travelers, that Muslims are subject to far greater scrutiny from security agencies, especially since the 9-11 attacks. We get calls every other day almost from Muslims, both Canadian and foreign nationals, who are accessing our airports and coming in through our borders and are subject to questioning than the average person, says communications coordinator Leila Nazir. Nazir? I think it's NASA. NASA? Did you like that? Yeah. <laughs> we don't really roll our R's. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I fuck with. Okay, you know me and names. Okay. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. Often people can be pulled aside seemingly based on what is perceived to be their religion or their race or ethnicity. CBSA said it would not, could not confirm CTV's analysis of the data, but the department said there are numerous reasons why a passenger might be sent for secondary inspection, including health checks, document violations, and for payment of duties and taxes. They have an document validation and health checks is also probably racistly informed. Yeah. How much that's a defense. (laughs) And they didn't even analyze the data, so they don't even know the reasons. And they don't even know what the most popular, the most used reason is. Sure. I'm just saying, like, CBSA over the, over the last, like, decade has just gone downhill. Hmm. It really has. I, I really... Sometimes going abroad is is more welcoming than your own right. fucking country. I'm just saying. Yeah, it, it can it can be. I mean, it's just like nothing about this shocks me per se. Um, me neither. Having crossed the border, not to like keep bringing up Detroit, but like countless, countless, countless times in my life, the Windsor Detroit border, especially. Um, with parents who are darker and all we all have like not born here passports it's it's real that shit's fucking real oh it's real and I just want to know when the cavity search is coming because like I feel like the CVSA the Canadian Border Services Agency 
is responsible for ports of entry mm -hmm. into Canada. To me, and from what I understand, it's not the best place to work in terms of the satellite yeah. uh, being that agent. Yeah. I'm not it's, talking about CBSA it's, here it's or not policy. A great place to work. I don't want to like get too much into it, but I actually represent CBSA workers. Mm. Uh, they're members of TSAC. Oh, okay. Um, and it is chronically the worst place to work in the federal public service. People are very unhappy working there. And it's a terrible employer. Really? And yeah. what are... Okay, so <laughs> let me... Okay, let me not get too much into it, but... When you get into it, I'll just stay here quietly. Okay, so <laughs> is there... Would you have... Uh, not not citing anything yeah. in general, yeah. would you have recommendations, broad recommendations, that they could implement? I mean... I think part of it is, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, because it's tough. A lot of, like for CBSA workers, they see themselves as law enforcement. They have lobbied and asked to be armed and weaponized at the border. Oh, they that's wanna, great. Yeah, yeah, they want to be regarded as police services in a more formal way. I and feel like this be, was a conservative, they, like apparently, like around the conservative uh, They time. actually, there was some resistance to that. That came from officers themselves. Mm. Um, and they share a very similar policing culture. Mm. Um, and so for CBSA officers, what they're looking for may be different than what we, like the racialized public may expect from them. Um, but... I, I like you know I, I don't know but in terms of uh, like the, how they're treated in terms of their employment context it's shift work mm -hmm. you know there there's a lot of unnecessary discipline like it, mm -hmm. it's you know very aggressive um, sort of workplace because it does sort of have this very hierarchical structure yeah and, um, you know it's I think it's, it is a sincerely a difficult place to work as well um, it's but, oppressive in other words uh, yeah and then you know toxic some people mm -hmm. refer to it as toxic or a, a culture of fear and um, so you know there's that and you know in my work I've met some very lovely people who work as border service yep. officers for CBSA and then others who are more you know in my like interactions at the border probably I would be like um, maybe that person should have been trained to be a bit more like sensitive or whatever I mean I don't know it's hard to say do you think they need in addition to that do you think that they need to shift the way the people they choose or maybe be more um, uh, maybe I don't want to say sophisticated I mean more um, like have a uh, a more specific lens in terms of the way they recruit people? Possibly, but I yeah, I don't know enough to answer that. But part of the problem is just like our, part of what customs officers do is flagging like the first set of issues mm -hmm. and kind of directing people. So sometimes it's immigration. Yeah. And our immigration policies are really shit. So mm -hmm. I mean, like, it's no wonder that officers are really like looking for people from these particular countries because we have a safe third party agreement that like has if you've landed in any one of these other countries you can't claim status here or 
we have like really rigid immigration laws around visitors like you know which countries cannot like even get visitors here without the right papers and I think it's like culturally we have this sense like people are dying to get in here so we have to over scrutinize them because they you know people are looking for ways to get into this country unjustly and that's the direction they're given that's the culture of our government that's something that the liberals continue to espouse mm -hmm. um, in in policy in direction in tone and in how they talk about immigration so of course the officers at the borders are like told and that's the order that they get is to be hyper vigilant for these things and it's you know it's gross and unfortunate but like until we as a society like I don't think that's specific to them per se that's our culture as it's like you know settler Canadians is really hostile ironically enough towards foreigners it's racialized and we foreign, don't we don't think foreigners. of ourselves that way that's no. the thing no. the 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 sort of branding we have is that, well, the prime minister said it, oh, you know, basically, oh, we're open to you mm -hmm. until, so, <laughs> until somebody's like, really? Mm -hmm. um, and I'll say the, like, I think uh, the Customs and Immigration Union, which is part of um, KSAC, like there have been some, you know, like there's been work to change some of those policies as well, because not all officers feel that way. I think there's people who want to see changes and reforms made to the immigration system so that it is more uh, open and he, like humane to people. So, you know, I wouldn't, I, I don't think that's, the, I don't think that's coming necessarily from officers. But I actually think it's coming from the top down and also from the public. There's a racist yeah, association from and the with public. The, and sure. with the more sort of, of around that. migrants we hear, you know, yeah, like, there is this belief, I think, that there are just um, like literally boatloads of migrants mm -hmm. just jumping, like <laughs> jumping to to come to Canada. And don't get me wrong, like migration to Canada has increased, especially since Donald Trump took power or won the election. That's foreseeable, in my opinion. But what I don't like and what I think the conservatives especially trade on is this xenophobia. Mm -hmm. And that that's why pol like policies can create culture too. They're not just a result of culture. Mm -hmm. And those policies or that type of and the rhetoric used to support the policies create an impression of migrants that um that i think leads to this kind of of hostility that's what i'm saying yeah i mean i just like really think though it's more than just the conservatives it's it's the liberals too like they have done nothing to change the policies that the conservatives put in they're very happy to keep with the status quo um, there is, there are a number of places where there are so like irregular border crossings uh, that are being heavily monitored mm -hmm. and not a lot of support given to. So by irregular, I mean people crossing at not a formal port of yeah. entry yeah. from the U.S. The U.S. is a safe third part country, so if you yeah. land in the U.S., you can't claim refugee status in, in Canada. Canada. Yeah. That is a policy from the conservatives that the liberals kept on the books. Yeah. And so I don't know if you are following this as a sort of a bit of an aside, but I think for people, if you don't know about this, the like Black Lives Matter 
have been all over this issue at a U.S. border crossing at La Col, Quebec. With um, this, so they go to this border crossing. There are a lot of Haitian asylum seekers that come through there, right? And because they're coming through the U.S., they can't claim refugee status in Canada. Um, we covered this some episodes ago that the Canadian government actually sends members of parliament and other officials to Florida to yep. advise Haitians and others not coming, to come to Canada, not to come to Canada, mm-hmm. and dissuade them from coming here because they won't get refugee status. Yeah, some come because they're not going to get status in the U.S. and they're actually they probably would qualify as asylum seekers or refugees come to Canada and Black Lives Matter have been. Um, like setting up at that border crossing, doing really cool work, offering legal aid uh, to um, uh, to folks who come through that border, um, who are often either turned away or detained um, with no end in sight, essentially, which yeah. like violating um, their freedom of, of movement and and freedom to have access to um, representation, among other things. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this is still going on. Um, there have been a, like, even according to the government's own data in 2000, in 2017, it was a record year for intercepted crossings at the land border. Um, but most of those folks were sent back. Uh, it's black asylum claimants who are disproportionately being displaced. They're arrested, detained, fingerprinted. So now they're in our system, um, who come through these, uh, unofficial crossings, um, but they're the, but it's because they're also the ones who are bearing the brunt of this like these policy shifts that sort of tar- that targeted these areas. The Immigration and Refugee Board in November 2017 revealed that 14,467 migrants who crossed the U.S.-Canada border uh, regularly uh, by November 2017, 9,200 of them were from majority Black countries, so nearly 65 percent. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's really it's. Yeah, to nuts, it's racist, it's definitely targeted, and the liberals not only have done nothing, but have been maintaining this system. Um, I think they've been ramping it up behind closed doors. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, for sure. Why the fuck not say that? Yeah, totally. You know, because what I've seen from this pipeline issue is that the liberals will forget whatever they said in 2015 to get some of those conservative votes those purple votes, if you want to Mm -hmm. call it that. They will sacrifice whatever they claim to believe their their so-called values to get those votes. And that's what bothers me. I just, I, anyway. All right. So that's it for this week in feminism. Coming up, Rent and Receipts. Okay. We now turn to Rent and Receipts, where we each bring a story and let the others comment. <laughs> um, so, do you want to go first? Sure, happy to. Um, I mean, let's, let me back up. Happy to. Not super decided on how to like exactly set this out. It's something that you and I and Aaron have talked about and worked on. Yep. I just figured I'd take the opportunity to like... Plug some more things people can like do and read and participate in on the topic of Me Too movement and the food and restaurant industry. Um, We have done some work around this with our Orders Up event 
that we did a couple months ago, bringing together restaurateurs and managers, but also like workers in the food and beverage industry to talk about why um, some of the problems and uh, like structural problems and like discrimination and harassment that happens in that industry, but also some solution oriented work and like crowdsourcing like solutions and strategies, um, which yeah. I thought was really awesome. And I'm so happy we did that. And then recently our uh, participated in putting together a promotional campaign for order for the next phase of orders up to draw attention to this issue and there are some sweet PSAs that we'd love you to listen to um, to get a taste uh, flavor if you will <laughs> I'm so, the pun I'm so funny uh, <laughs> to give you a, a sense if you will of uh, what the campaign is all about I'm Erin G and I'm a co-founder and co-host of the Bad and Bitchy podcast we all deserve to feel safe in our workplaces. Whether we work 10 hours, 40 hours, or 60 hours, we deserve to feel safe. People spend so much of their lives at work, and so much of our sense of self comes from what we give to our jobs and what we get from our careers. This is true whether you work in a restaurant, bar, or whether you work in an office. But some industries are more susceptible to bad behaviors, such as sexual harassment and sexual assault, like the hospitality industry. And as patrons and as colleagues, we have a responsibility to keep this conversation going. But the good thing is, is that we all have the power to make a difference. You know, maybe it's something as easy as filling out a comment card, pulling aside the manager, or maybe if you're bold enough, you can just call it the behavior when you see it and just saying, you know what, man, that's not cool. By staying silent, we risk people's mental health deteriorating, which means a loss in productivity and a decrease in their self-worth. As we start asking more from our restaurants, sustainably sourced food, cruelty-free food, it's time that we start asking how they're supporting their workers and how they're educating them with the policies and frameworks to prevent and reduce sexual harassment and sexual assault in their establishments. Gosh, you're killing me. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot that's going on recently um, outside of Ottawa on this issue. Um, I um, have been kind of consuming a lot of content. I think every foodie out there, even if you're not working in this industry, has an obligation to think about what sort of ethical, even as a consumer, what sort of ethical practices you engage in when you like go out to these restaurants. I have not been, for example, inside El Camino since the whole Carmichael bullshit. Um, I didn't think El Camino was that good. Oh, bold. I no, honestly, I was just like meh. Like I, I, I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say meh, but like, I mean, it's fine. I almost forget that it, it exists now. But you know why? It's because I had a similar. It was La Cochina or something yeah. that was like right around the corner. So that served that kind of um, gourmet tacos. Mm. So I, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. Well, I mean, here, like, whether you're missing something or not, I mean, there's another question about whether opting out as a consumer is necessarily the solution, and some people yeah. challenge that. I think I feel better not giving money that's definitely going into this guy's pocket. Um, he's back to managing his restaurants. You're shitting me. Yeah, that's the word. And that's true for a lot of the high-profile, like, restaurateurs. Carmichael is back? Yeah, Carmichael is back managing. It's what I, I, I'm told. Uh, that's an opinion. Uh, please don't sue me for defamation. Um, I don't know if that's what I've heard. Mm. 
and I've heard it from more than one person. Uh, either way, he only steps back from the day-to-day management. He still like has a share of the profits, hmm. whether or not he was managing or not. He stepped back for damage control, which is the same thing that Mario Batali and all these other high-profile chefs um, who also have, I mean, they're not, like Carmichael is no like Batali, but like, you know what I mean? They still had shares. They just stepped back for like to save face. They're not the face of their business anymore, but they're still making money. Um, and so I think like anything else, you know, I think this idea that like because people still work there, you owe them a service by like continuing to attend at their restaurant. I don't, I don't buy fully buy that argument. I don't judge you if you go there and you think that. I, I get it and I can appreciate it. But I mean, I think it's important that we still ask the questions and we don't just say like this person's out of the limelight therefore everything's back to normal yeah but i don't go to bridgehead anymore because i don't of, go to bridgehead anymore. yes we know <laughs> <laughs> because of exactly know, the agree. issues you talked about you talked about in yeah. an earlier episode yeah. and, you know maybe some people want to wait to see if bridgehead changes their ways but Doubt i don't it. think that's gonna happen well not in my opinion not enough people think about they will think about the fair trade and the people they're helping and yeah. blah, 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 blah. But they will not think of the conditions. It's no, like when right. we talk about Amazon, Amazon is just this bright light and Jeff Bezos is such a badass <laughs> and he's this yeah. and they're that and they're so innovative. Meanwhile, the people oh, working for terrible. them, their working conditions are awful. Totally. So I think if we want, you know what? I'm tired of labor getting shit on. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, totally. That's, That's my a great piece. point. Sorry. No, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, I, I completely agree. Um, so I've been grappling with that, um, and but that's not the point of this. The point is that it's imp- that's why it's important, if, even if you think this issue doesn't affect you. If you work in the restaurant industry, um, like there is a lot that's happening right now, and there's a lot that you can do to participate in, in our campaign and in other campaigns to... Um, bring about some sort of social action. I know there are a lot of great restaurant owners. That's the other thing. There's a lot of great restaurant owners. We met so many awesome people through our event. Like women-owned or like establishments, progressive establishments, people yeah. who have like turned their mind to these problems, who've yeah. set up processes, who have, you know, held themselves to account. Um, and I want, I'd rather, my, if I'm going to give my money, I'd rather give it there. Yeah. And, you know, or maybe to upstarts and helping them, like, establish good practices. Yeah. Um, but to go and participate in, like, this, you know, like, the restaurant industry is so hierarchical. There is a huge problem with the chef, like, culture of, like, you know, like, the chef genius. It's not unlike other artists um, where there is, like, the sense, like, they get, you know, they get creative control and sometimes they're abusive but we still have to respect them because they're like they're developing a craft I think like the Gordon Ramsay's that popularized um, notion that belittlement belittlement brings greatness is trash Mm -hmm. and we seem to have accepted that as just you know the way things are oh totally yeah and i don't know when that happened no and it creates a toxic culture all the way down because then everyone in the kitchen wants to like live up to that caricature of a, of a chef or maybe like character like however you see it 
um, and or at the very least respected and won't and don't are afraid and and because of the precarity of the employment like don't speak out um, and in terms of like you know front of house issues like for servers um, and host like hosts at restaurants there is a culture of like you know servitude and uh, a client knows best customer knows best customer is always right including when the customer is handsy including when the customer wants you to sit down at their table including like all of these things that are really troubling and mm. I mean you know me too movement is you know should come to every industry the restaurant industry isn't like unique per se mm-hmm. um, or rather it's not the only one and we could I'm sure we can get into tons of other industries but it's one where a lot of us do spend our money and we can have um, a direct impact Um, and it's one that if you're engaging in like whether it's foodie culture or you watch the shows and the programs around food and 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 chef celebrity which I I do like I'm I feel like I'm engaged to some degree in that world that you have to be critical of how participating in that kind of celebrity culture like feeds into um, these actually really troubling practices in in workplaces all over the world um, but um, yeah I mean there's there's ways to to remedy that and a lot of it comes from workers kind of kind of coming together um, and more and like us you know showing restaurants that we want better working conditions for the people who um wait on us and you know like host us and you know give us the great meal experience that our our cultures come to expect and it's also not just like the five-star establishments right like it's you know people berating fucking baristas and like people going to fast food establishments and like treating workers like crap there um and like you know so, so many other things it seems to me like we also have a culture where we think that workers in general are servants well we it, like and just because yeah, we're for paying sure. for sure we do yeah. and we absolutely do and you know i'm sure we've all caught ourselves thinking or doing something like that even though we'd like to think we are better than that um it's sort of ingrained the sense of entitlement for when you spend something I mean that's like peak capitalism you get like you're you're paying for something you're entitled to exactly what you want which is just some bullshit well that's the basis of gentrification isn't it I mean or sorry the the result one of the consequences of gentrification yeah is that people come in and they're like uh please mold this to my exact specification regardless of whether or not taxes yeah for sure um, if people are looking to listen or follow up what's happening kind of in the broader restaurant world, um, Helen Rosner is a writer at the New Yorker who has done a lot of profiles of, uh, celebrity, uh, chefs who have, um, sexual assault allegations, um, uh, out against them, um, is, is scrutinizing the restaurant industry, including other reviewers who still choose to go and review these people's restaurants even though as if there's a shortage of restaurants that can be reviewed um she's recently on david chang's podcast uh which i love talking about uh the me too movement um and also like coming up as a writer in the food industry that's awesome yeah well i'm sure we will post it on our page (laughs) um which we will give you at the end of the podcast so like our page and you'll see it 
All right, so my rent and receipts. Oh, gosh. <laughs> There's a reason for this. So I am going to talk about the week-long beef between Pusha T and Drake because it's summer. <laughs> so on May 25th, Pusha T. So let me just give you some background. Pusha T is a rapper from about he and his twin brother used to have a group called the clips and they had a hit they had a few hits grinding mr me too produced by pharrell it was it was around the like 2000s ish 2002 um anyway pusha t dropped daytona a seven track record that contains infrared and in that track, the rapper takes multiple jabs at fellow musician Drake, accusing him of being an industry hack who doesn't write his own rhymes. If you remember, Drake and Meek Mill in 2015 had a beef, and that's one of the things that Meek Mill said. Within 24 hours, Drake responded with Duffy Freestyle, following his usual rap beef blueprint most recently demonstrated in his attacks on Meek Mill. Uh, he grabbed his, his best weapon, Instagram, and posted an invoice for $100,000 to address Pusha T's good music label, requesting funds for, quote, career reviving. And then he dropped this, um, a, song, a second song called I'm Upset that takes more subtle shots at Pusha T. But on May 29th, which happened to be the same day Roseanne's show was canceled, I don't know how we all held it together. I don't know. I don't know how we made it out of that. I don't one. know. Pusha dropped the story of Ad Adidon, the multifaceted, deep layer diss track that comes for Drake in many ways. Now, there's a lot in this track. Um, so I'm just going to run down quickly what this track, this three minute track, covers. <laughs> Drake's supposed struggle with his biracial identity. His parents, Dennis and Sandy Graham, split when he was five. Pusha then noticed how ironic it is to him that Drake scoffs at marriage, yet his mother never remarried. His idolization of Dennis and how it highlights Drake's deadbeat motherfucker status with a baby he allegedly had with Sophie Brousseau. Um, a French porn star. And wait, do we call it porn anymore? I still call it porn. Okay. Uh, how Drake keeps Sophie and the baby hidden. Uh, that Drake allegedly planning to feed, was allegedly planning to feature his son in an alleged future collaboration with Adidas called Added On. Drake's longtime producer, um, Potentially fatal battle with multiple sclerosis. Drake's allegedly fucked up record deal with Young Money, a subsidiary of Cash Money Records, which is run by Birdman, and who Lil Wayne is with too, because as you know, Lil Wayne discovered Drake, etc. And um, he did this over, he spit over the, not spit like I meant wrapped, over the story of O.J. Beat, Jay-Z's award-winning critique of racial self-loathing and disavowing blackness. Oh, 
But that's not all. He The cover is this album art. The cover is a 2008 photo of Drake in blackface. Lord, I can't even. I was just like, what the fuck just happened? Okay. So, um, yeah. So, uh, and... And now Drake has issued some sort of press release, which just means he just caught now. Okay, go on. I, wow. There's a lot, yeah. I mean, so, like most people, when I first saw this, I was sort of like, you know, lured in by all the funny memes and, like, you know, black Twitter hilarity. And then I listened to the song, and then I thought about it a little bit longer, and the whole thing makes me feel really gross. And, like, I think, like, I'm not defending Drake, but I think Pusha T, like, I don't want to say he took it too far, because I think, like, revealing that stuff, whatever, most of it's, like, harmless, and it's about, not harmless per se, but, like, you know, it's, it's within the territory of what that beef should be about, but I think the, like, slut-shaming tone with which he talks about, you know, Sophie and, like, I think that was really gross. Um, and this sort of just, like, I, you know, it's just, like, really misogynistic, if you ask me. Um, the way he talks about, like, the producer Noah Sh- Shabib, and, who has MS and, like, mocks him is just, like you know, blatantly able, like, just blatant ableism, it's also, like, and then he, you know, and then Noah Shabib, like, tweets being, like, uh, also, happy MS day. So Uh, I was just, like, ooh. Oh, my God. That just added another layer, yeah. just, like, uh, there's just, like, so much to unpack here. Um, and I don't know that you have to, like, drag all these, like, poor souls and out them and dox them, essentially. Like, in terms of, like, Sophie and the kids case. You know, at the expense of, like, some fucking, like, rap war with, like, Drake. Who cares? I'm of two minds of this. I see where you're coming from. Um, however, this is exactly, this is exactly a hip-hop beef. Like... Where oh, it's next, I think it's next level. Oh no, but that's that's the culture of a hip hop beef, and you know the thing about it is, is that Drake brought in his Pusha T's fiance first. Um, I don't know that that's a great defense. No, it's not a defense, but I'm just saying. Yeah. There's there's an inside. There's so many layers to this. There, there's an inside baseball kind of argument where if you're a hip hop purist you say something like, and I've seen this, you say something like, look, um, there's nothing off limits in a beef. Hmm. And um, first of all, I thought this song was just, I was just like, oh my gosh, he talked about the nap of Drake's hair. I can't even. And I like, I'm just saying that I, I was just, when I heard this, I was just, I, I, I didn't even know what to say. Mm-hmm. It was just so vicious. But if you listen to even like, like some of the shit even Salt and Peppa said on their rap beats, I was just <laughs> like, holy fuck. Right. And, and that's, I mean, we can have a debate on whether or not the culture needs to be 
I don't know whether or not there's there are limitations. I totally well, I just hear think, that. Like if you're consuming this, think about maybe how you are part of maybe creating an unsafe world for some of the background characters for this beat. But he does say love that baby and respect that girl. Forget she's a porn star and let her be your world. I mean, also, like, let people fucking love their, like, it's like this, like, you know, like, you have to, it's like so, it's so paternalistic. At the same time, a relationship and like, Drake idea, can't like, get off the hook with this, though. You can't just come for somebody and expect them to be like, this is the thing. It's also, like, if he had done his homework, he would have known that Drake was paying her for the last year, like, child support and shit. So, whatever. I think he was making a comment that he wasn't in the child's life. So what? Who cares? I think that matters. Uh, like, in general, as a child, I think that kind of matters. No, there's all sorts of families now. I don't I'm not... No, 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 no. Like, your dad's wanting... Who the fuck cares? Who the fuck cares if you're... There are a lot of people who care that their dads are, are not in their lives. I'm, I'm sure, but I don't, like... Like, I don't think that's fair to say, like, who to be flippant about that. That's uh, what I'm saying. Like, I think that that's a legitimate, like... Yeah, but I think if two people choose, maybe she doesn't want Drake in this, like, kid's life. What the fuck do we know? But at the They're same like, this time... this is our arrangement, this is our arrangement. Who cares? Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I've not, like... Also, clearly, Drake was already intending to reveal that he had a child. He's making no secret of it. He probably visits. We don't know. At the same time, like, I don't... Personally, I don't agree that um, who the fuck like, cares. No, but they don't have to be together. Like that's I didn't say they like, have to be no, together. No, that's what it's but saying. what I'm saying is that I think I there don't are, think it's for us to be flippant to say who the flippant. fuck cares. There are a lot of people. Who, there are a lot of women who now don't want the fathers in the lives of their children. But can they make that choice for the child? Maybe the child wants to have that. Our I'm just saying. All sorts of, uh, with I'm before just. We're conscious the I'm just saying like that at old. the same time that I don't. I don't particularly think that um, we should just be like, well, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just. The idea, whole, I the don't. whole idea central to the like thesis of this song is the idea that there like needs to be a nuclear family. And that, like, dad's leaving is necessarily a bad thing. If one, so dad's, if you're Drake, like, dad's leaving is a good thing? Yeah, it can be. Drake's dad didn't like, want to be I in can... his life. Who the fuck cares? Good thing he left. He turned out amazing. At the same, or and did it, he? See, I, I don't well, know. he turned out I don't, fairly well no, adjusted. He turned, and he turned out and wealthy. He, and That's he not his, necessarily and he great. he loves his mom, and he, ha, like, and he did fine. He's not struggling. So that's the only measure by which we measure the greatness people, or somebody? There are somebody? a lot of people who had dads at home who turned out shit. So it's For not sure. an indicator of anything. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that given that the kid is six months old, when you have... Even like, though the kid is six months old, he has no consciousness and none of this will have any bearing except for the I don't fact think, that he I'm just saying, and finds I'm just, all this shit in. I'm just saying that I don't think that we can just automatically say, like, like that the kid is somehow better or worse off that's what i'm saying like i don't think that's for I us think to people say get to decide what their family unit looks like and that's and I fair don't, and I, but i'm not saying and i'm not saying they have to be together that's not what yeah, i'm purporting either the song, but i don't and i don't think that that's necessarily a misogynist thing to say either I, so I for me i i don't so for me i think I think the misogyny comes in 
um, more the reaction. I think that's where most of the misogyny is. The shit I've seen mm -hmm. that people have written on mm -hmm. Twitter about, oh, how she she didn't know who the father was or she had this many partners or that many partners. Yeah, that was the slut shaming to me. And to be honest, like, I think that, I mean, I think that Drake in blackface is a problem. When I saw that picture, I was just like, is this for real? I honestly thought it was a fake. And I, yeah, I honestly a lot of thought. Pusha T actually had to put out a like, statement to be like, no, that shit's real. He's like, I don't, I don't know Please stop this Photoshop stuff. Like, <laughs> He's like, yeah. Yeah, and the, uh, the clothing designers who are like the Jim Crow themed clothes that Drake is wearing also have come out saying, yep, that's our actual clothing line based in Toronto, by the way. So. We have, yeah. a weird, we have a weird thing going on here, too, I think, about, like, well, how we... There, there yeah. are levels of blackness in here that, um... I think, like, first of all, when, when Pusha T came for his blackness, I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, that can't end well. I just, like, this is just, like, Nothing. I'm sure this brought up some memories that nobody, like, wants to bring up right now. Well, except Pusha T. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, I mean, Drake then released a statement saying that he was doing it as, a, as an exploration, an artistic exploration of how black actors are treated or were treated in, in history. Yeah, okay, okay I guess. Um, can, I, don't, I don't know where this consciousness went to be honest, because I really haven't seen Drake do much of anything or say much of anything on any black issue. I think he realized he could rake in on his, like, racial fluidity. Yeah, well, that's what Pusha T called him out for. No, for sure, and I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. And I think it's a lot easier to become a pop star when you're not talking about those issues and potentially Kaepernicking yourself, which is a new verb I just invented. But the other thing, too, is that he capitalizes so much on black subculture. Oh, no, for sure, which is that... right the he is sort of like in blackface in a sense. I don't mean no, 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 no. He can't know. Well, he can't because he's actually black, and I don't think you can deny like his actual identity. But I think like when yeah, you, he's black. Yeah, but... for sure. But I think when you take credit for certain things and you're like collaborating like with people without due credit, without a sense of the history, and without like giving space to like other like you know, with to the broader conversation and you're just, like, dealing with it as, like, this myopic, like, you know, present-time pop culture. You're doing a I think there are the, like, very few context. times where blackface is acceptable. I cannot think of one right now. Um, I don't buy his reasoning. I don't buy his... Um, his all this, like his 2008 well, conscious, I don't buy it. It is a decade ago. I don't buy it. I'm not, I'm not trying to justify it. I can, but I, I, part of me can see, I guess, what he was maybe thinking as and an then ignorant he, young nothing. And then he threw That's his all. friend under the bus. Yeah. The dude from Sudan, he did this I know black people too thing. Yeah. Oh, my black friend did it too. Yeah. And totally threw him under the bus yeah. in that press release. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you yeah, know, no, the more I think it's about it, yeah. the more I think about it is the more like, this is exactly what I do not like about Drake. This is exactly it. Is that 
is that he wants to have it both ways. And I'm just like, and that's my problem. That's my entire problem with him. I've always just, anyway, I'm done. This is just another, like this story I'm sure will evolve because you know, it's already dramatic, but I gotta say when Jake is releasing a new album, I think next week or something yeah. like that. Oh my Lord. <laughs> That's apparently why he was able to get his track out so fast. He's like already like working on some other shit. I, I hope he, he does like, no press this for is, this. This is why like coming for me while I'm like recording. You were like, and it was like, oh yeah, hours, I'm in so album was, mode. Yeah, yeah, album yeah. Mode, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking said, yeah. Um, look, like Drake's a guilty pleasure. I think we can all admit he doesn't have the substance. We, you know, he comes in with nice for what, trying to like walk back a lot of the shit you see how rihanna distanced herself from his fucking misogyny like you know the fact that he like feels like he can like you know be possessive be this like over the top like nice guy tm and like get whatever he wants and she like was not having that if rihanna's not here for you that's a great sign that i like you know probably she knows he's a fuck boy yeah totally fuck boy he's totally fuck boy i haven't used that word in so long he is a fuck boy he is like Definitely, he is like the picture of a. And I'm, boy. I'm sorry, he got he got creamed by a better lyricist too. I just on a I total actually, hip hop level. I will say the Pusha T track is like legit, really good to listen to. It's really well. For <laughs> it, you want to talk guilty pleasure? Oh my <laughs> gosh! Okay, okay. So well, that's... he didn't have a ghostwriter, so there's that. Ooh. What a truth. Da da da. I'm getting into this beef now too. Yeah. All right. Well, so I guess that's it for this week. Uh, you can uh, stay in touch with us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy. Uh, you can send us an email. We're always looking for uh, suggestions, comments for our advice column. Our Gmail is badandbpod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook where we like to think we post some pretty savvy stuff at Bad and B Podcast, and of course, on the gram, Bad and Bitchy Pod, and uh, we'll uh, see you next time. Bye! Bye.